I would like to welcome everyone who listened to this broadcast. May the Lord continue to bless you and open your spiritual understanding as you listen to this Bible exposition. Today we will study Red Sea and the Great Exodus. In the book of Genesis chapter 37 down to chapter 46, we read how the Israelites, God's chosen people, lived in Canaan. Through a web of circumstances, these people later found themselves settled in Egypt, where they were treated as slaves. Of course, God was deeply saddened, and in that situation, He had to find a way to liberate them from their miserable condition. He commissioned Moses, which in the beginning was hesitant to lead, for he was overwhelmed by the task imposed on him. However, God assured him of his guidance and power to fulfill the responsibility entrusted to him. Then God began to execute his plan of liberation for his people. However, Pharaoh's heart was so hardened that it took ten plagues for him to set free the Israelites from their land. The plagues were vividly narrated that cannot help but touch the heart of every reader. These are water turning into blood, frogs in everywhere, nu nuisance caused by knots or lies, four flies everywhere, five livestock disease, six boils, seven thunders and hail, eight locusts, nine darkness, and ten death of the firstborn. Let us not discuss the intended message for these plagues, since these are parables that God expresses words with as written in the following. Psalm 78 verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 49, Then said I, Ah Lord, God, they say of me, Doth he not speak parables? Then as God was manifest in the flesh, Mark uh, succinctly stated, Mark 4.34, I will read, But without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Question. With the ten plagues that beleaguered the Egyptians, did Pharaoh eagerly allow the Israelites to escape? As the Israelites were leaving with all their possessions, Pharaoh changed his mind and ran after them. Together with his great army, he chased them until they were blocked by the Red Sea and no escape in sight. It is the epic of this great escape that the power of God was spectacularly demonstrated. What was the reaction of the Israelites in that horrifying situation, realizing they could not flee? The Israelites laid their blame on Moses in Exodus 14.11, and I quote, And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Verse 12 Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Question What did Moses do? Moses pacified them by the power of God. How did Moses demonstrate the power of God? Exodus 14 verse 21 And I quote, And Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, 
And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And then in verse 22, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Dear listeners, just continue reading Exodus 14 and enjoy how God dealt with Pharaoh and his great army. For them, it was total annihilation. My question is, did this spectacular event physically happen? Let alone God reveal the truth since this involves salvation of the soul. Jesus Christ emphasized this, but the Jews did not understand and therefore hated him. Do you mean the Holy Bible is not a history book that records the past? Scientists cannot prove many things written in the Holy Bible that they really happened physically. Therefore, they became atheists and agnostics. How come the Holy Bible cites places and characters found in history books? This is the proof that God speaks parables that needs divine revelations for His intended message thereof. Have we not read in the Old Testament in Psalm 78 verse 2, again I will read, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Also in Ezekiel 20 verse 49, Then said I, Our Lord God, they say of me, Doth he not speak parables? And this Mark put it succinctly, and wrote how Jesus Christ spoke. Mark 4.34, But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. How did Jesus Christ demonstrate this concept of taking the word spiritually? In John chapter 2, early in the ministry of Jesus, he showed this when he drove away the merchants in the temple selling doves, sheep, and exchanging money. Jesus told his listeners, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. From this classic demonstration, he distinguished or differentiated his disciples from the outsiders who took his word literally, physically. How did the Jews take the word temple? They laughed at Jesus for taking the temple literally, saying, in John 2 verse 20, Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? And when Jesus was nailed on the cross, they mocked him. Matthew 27 verse 39, I will read. And they that passed by reviled him, waging their heads, verse 40, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. These people who took the word literally, did not even believe the scriptures. Question. How about the disciples? Aware that Jesus is speaking in parable, they waited until he was crucified and on the third day he rose again from the dead. Then the disciples realized the temple he is referring to is resurrected body. Do you mean... Everything written in the Holy Bible is a parable? It is as it is written. 
We have to depend on God like a little child and wait for the revelation of His words. Of course, not all is parable as clearly demonstrated in the testament of salvation of God Almighty in Genesis 17 verse 7. It was revealed to Paul who recognized Jesus Christ personally that the testament of salvation can only be fulfilled by the testator or maker thereof. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16, I will read, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. In verse 17, For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. If the testament of salvation is a parable, how can God fulfill it since He is a spirit? This is where I said, let God reveal His intended message. Of course, God cannot fulfill His testament of salvation with His invisible form. Therefore, we have to depend on Him for His answer. That is my question. How can a spirit God die? By relying on God, Paul received this great mystery of God's plan for salvation by writing in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I read, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Apostle John confirmed this truth in 1 John 3.16. I read, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. Very clear here, Jesus Christ must be the God in human form, performing His role, and at the same time His role as Son of God. I will read in Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, Who being in the form of God, though it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no refutation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. No wonder in several verses of the four Gospels, these two roles of Jesus Christ are clearly perceptible. In his role as Father, in 1 John 5.20, and I will read, And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus in His role as Son of God, in John 14 verse 28, If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Question. Now, going back to our topic, did this happen physically? This is a question that has been debated by theologians and scientists for many centuries. For us who identify Jesus Christ by divine revelation, we only depend on what is written about the qualification of New Testament ministers. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and I will read, Who also hath made us able ministers of a New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Very clear here, we should not just depend on the letter or literal understanding of what is written. Rather, we have to rely on God for His spiritual message thereof. 
Let us remember our topic involves salvation of the soul and not preservation of the body. Question. How do we go about it? I am sure many people are also bothered about it. Does God give us a clue regarding my question? I believe this is a reliable clue to your question. No longer thinking of the letter of the word, but the spiritual message that fulfill God's plan for salvation. 2 Corinthians 4.18 I will read, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I am sure the truth that God speaks in parables will be clearly demonstrated in our topic. Do you mean we will no longer put our focus on the physical, but rather on the spiritual aspect of the events, incidents, and characters involved on the story? My friend, that is exactly what I believe about the real food for the soul that God provides His chosen. In that case, our discussion now is becoming more interesting for the physical aspect that is short-lived or just fleeting, while the spiritual is lasting and it is true all the time as the Word of God is immutable. Let us now release and enjoy God's clarification of some incidents in the story. Number one, many people reading this story are like the Jews who perceive the word of God literally, physically, that when our Lord told them, John 8.32, I will read, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is what we hear from the Jews in verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Look how Jesus refuted their perception of his word. It is not political but spiritual slavery. In John 8.34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. In that case, what is there to think about the Red Sea and the great exodus? But it's a spiritual message. What is disgusting in the eyes of God? Many people do not even know they are in spiritual bondage. They are blind and have no hearing. And worse, as if voicing what the Israelites told Moses in Exodus 14 verse 12, I will read, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Have we heard the Israelites then? Today many people prefer to be in spiritual bondage than to be set free. They love to be in this world than the offer of God to be with him in his eternal kingdom. Question. What other lesson do we get from this discussion? aside from the spiritual deliverance of the Israelites. Very clearly illustrated by divine revelation, the letter of the word we read in the Holy Bible only serves as basis for God to expound His intended message. And so, the characteristic of New Testament ministers, according to 2 Corinthians 3.6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit for the letter killeth, 
but the Spirit giveth life. Question. Is this biblical story about the Red Sea the only one generally accepted having a card physically, but the intended message is spiritual? The Ark and the Great Deluge is another classic example that Jesus Christ preached happening in His time saying, as it was in the days of Noah, Luke 17 verse 26. This is proof that the Word of God in the Holy Bible is, is expressed in parables to assure His words are immutable. May we suggest to our listeners to open YouTube and click Pure Christianity, The Great Deluge. After accepting that God speaks in parables, let us now take the different symbolisms in the story. First, it is obvious, Pharaoh symbolizes Satan. Egypt symbolizes the world, as Satan is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, I will read, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Red Sea. This symbolizes the wicked people hindering the chosen of God to flee from their human doctrines. Isaiah 57 verse 20 But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Revelation 17 verse 15 I will read And he said unto me, The waters which thou sowest, where the war seated, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues, and of quote. Here, the sea is in contrast with the sea in the great deluge, where it symbolizes the way of the Lord. Noah was saved because of the sea in the following. Psalm 77 verse 19 Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Question why did we not learn this in the Bible school or seminary when we were working for our degree in divinity to qualify as ministers of God? Very clear, my friend. Our professors also did not see that God speaks in parable. What we heard from them is just a spectacular miracle we read in the book of Exodus. I will read again. In Exodus chapter 14 verse 21, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand, and on their left. Indeed, this is the great miracle. How could we imagine dividing the sea and make uh, the land dry for his people to pass through? Taking the letter of the word is in the senses that are well entertained. However, the purpose of God in giving his words is to feed the soul. I noticed this, the Israelites, as they passed, the Red Sea was divided and they walk on dry ground. What does that mean? Ground in the following symbolizes man. 
Genesis 2.7 I read, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Since ground symbolizes man, therefore dry ground refers to people who are too weak and ineffective to hold the chosen from their scape to follow the truth. With God's revelation of His words, the message become a living word that is continuously happening all the time. This proves written in the Old Testament that the message of God is true all the time. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 I will read The things that hath been it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done and there is no new thing under the sun and of quote It is also written God does not change and so is Jesus Christ Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 I read for I am the Lord I change not Hebrews 13 verse 8 I will read Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And Jesus Christ said, I am the truth in John 14 verse 6. This alone proves that Jesus Christ is the God. Question. In the story, it involves the Israelites as a whole. Can this truth about the Red Sea or Exodus apply to an individual person? Precisely. This story is alive and being experienced by every individual who has recognized Jesus Christ by divine revelation. How far is man's perception from God's divine revelation? That is why God condemns human wisdom. What is regrettable, the people are attracted to it. The story of the Red Sea and the great exodus ended with the Israelites finally settled in the wilderness. How does this apply to the individual chosen of God? After walking on dry land, the Israelites began roaming in the wilderness where God fed them with manna coming from heaven. And so an individual person after having been delivered from the clutches of human doctrines, he is now liberated to wander in spiritual wilderness where God is free feed him with the spiritual message of his words. How wonderful to end our discussion with Psalms 56, beginning in verse 10 to verse 13. Let me read this passage. In God will I praise His word. In the Lord will I praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. O God, I will render praises unto Thee, for Thou hast delivered my soul. From death, will not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Once again with my whole heart, I would like to thank you all for your continuous search for the truth in the word of God and your trust with this ministry. May the Father bless us all.